SAFM, leading the conversation. Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. 12 minutes after 10 p.m. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for being with us. Really do appreciate it. Tulasizwe Similani, who's the spokesperson for Takato Aviation, is with us on the line. We start the conversation with him. Uh, Joachim Vermutten will also be a part of the conversation. Joachim is the transport is a transport economist and a research associate at the University of Johannesburg. Tulas, good evening. Congratulations. Thank you. Good evening, uh, Oliver. It's truly a historic day uh, for the transaction and for SAA. Yeah. Um, Takatsu Consortium now being the majority shareholder, 51%. But do you just just once again for public clarity want to break down what that 51% looks like? Harith is involved, global aviation as as well as ceramics. We know that uh, the part of one of the conditions is that uh, lift must divest from the consortium. Talk to us about that uh, for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start there, Oliver. That is one of the con- con- conditions that had been uh, recommended by the Competition Commission and was traversed at the hearing before the Competition Tribunal. The Tribunal has concurred with the Commission, saying that the two minority shareholders in Dakazo must divest of their uh, respective 10% shareholding, that is Global Aviation and Ceranix. And as you rightly point out, between the two of them, uh, they do partner uh, in the ownership of Lyft Airlines. And therefore, the Competition Commission, in its investigation um, of this merger, this large merger, uh, was concerned that Dakazo their involvement in Dakazo could be an area, a point where uh, competitively sensitive information could be exchanged. And, and the long and short of it is that basically, if you look further ahead, a few steps down the line, the concern can perhaps be that the potential exists or some kind of collusive behavior yeah. in terms of the comp- competition regulations. So that's why they were concerned with that. Now the competition tribunal has concurred with the commission, and it's a condition that we are now uh, engaging uh, among the shareholders uh, for its uh, fulfillment. And the spirit of those uh, engagements is uh, productive and, and collaborative. Yeah, of course, uh, the terms of, or at least some of the transaction terms uh, on the term sheet had to be made public at the tribunal and I, I now want to ask you to go into some of those, those details i preface that because i don't want you to say that it is a sensitive matter that you can't speak on talk to us <laughs> about the details of the term sheet what is being sold for how much and who is selling and who's picking up how much uh, in that term sheet Oliver, I'm glad that, I mean, you do say, uh, and it comes from you, a lot of people probably didn't notice that a lot of the details did come out, a lot of the confidentiality waivers, uh, confidentiality uh, claims and, and, uh, you know, conditions were waived uh, either by ourselves or the counterparty uh, at the competition tribunal. Um, So there was a bit more detail. I don't have the uh, share purchase agreement right in front of me. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to share with you those aspects uh, whose confidentiality was not shared. But in terms of what the purchase price is, I think that question for me, Oliver, and the 
the the uh, transcript of the hearing uh, is available for anyone to engage yeah. with. I think that question was answered extensively sure. by our counsel, uh, Mike van der Nest. Um, and I think he was he actually did a better job than I've done in the last few months, saying that the purchase price is not 51 rand. The purchase fr- uh, pr- price is 3 billion and 51 rand. And the mechanism agreed between the parties for how Yagazo pays for this uh, purchase price, this consideration for this 51% shareholding is a mechanism uh, of a preferred share from government. And he went on to explain and give an example and say that that means is that once we are at implementation stage, um, the first for every rand uh, in dividends that is realized, uh, firstly, 50 cents of that rand will go to government in terms of that preferred share um, agreement. But over and above that, uh, once government has taken that preferred share in lieu of uh, that 3 billion rand, uh, government then shares what remains, the other 50 cents of every rand, and shares it at the rate of Dakazo Aviation being at 51% of that, so roughly about 25 cents, uh, and government taking the other uh, 20, uh, 25 cents. So in total, he said in his example, in total for every rand in dividends realized, 75 cents goes to government. And I thought yeah. that is just an apt way and an easy way to explain it. But it's only 75 cents up until the 3 billion rand has been covered, uh, of course, with interest uh, uh, recognized. Absolutely. Yeah. And and they did talk to that point. And I, I'd like to uh, enjoy the privilege of <laughs> of quoting him in, uh, extensively. So what he then explained at the hearing was to say that there is incentive for Dakazo to ensure that um, what you have undertaken to ensure that uh, you, you, you provide this equity uh, because there's that equity injection, which is separate from the 3 billion rand uh, preferred share. There's a 3 billion rand that is equity injection. And um, you've taken the, made that undertaking that you will do that before the transaction is implemented. There will be a business plan as well that you will work on that will ensure that SAA is run sustainably, yeah. commercially viably and competitively. Uh, the incentive is that we have to realize dividends. Otherwise, uh, we don't get out of this mode of only earning uh, just 25 cents of every rand in dividends until that 3 billion rand has been settled. So you're absolutely spot on that the incentive is on us to ensure that all these undertakings we are making about how to run SAA efficiently uh, in a way that responds to the market and is sustainable uh, and easing the burden from the fiscus, we deliver on those. Otherwise, we don't get to earn more than 25 cents of every rand in dividends. When is the deal being signed? Um, when you say the deal, uh, are you talking about the share purchase agreement? Yes. That has already been signed. Uh, that happened about a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't have the timelines opened in front so, of so, me, but so, yes, so the... it, it, that, that, oh, that has already been signed. And that, those are the conditions that I was saying. A lot of them, the confidentiality was waived uh, at the tribunal for the sake of transparency. Yeah. And so that means that uh, the tribunal's uh, condemnation or at least its endorsement of the deal means that it's official. 
It is official, Oliver. And, and, and basically the way to look at it is that certainly from a competition perspective and a, um, a public interest perspective, if you remember, those are the two conditions uh, through which a, a transaction is put through uh, in terms of our Competition Act that does it pose any issues and challenges for competition. And the answer has come back to say no. Um, other than, of course, the condition yeah. that the minorities must divest. Does it pose any other issues that have to do with the, uh, I think it's substantial, substantial public interest matters, which are clearly defined in the Act? Um, the answer has come back to say no, except, of course, to emphasize the yeah. condition that says we have to maintain a minimum uh, number of employees at SAA for five years and can, can have no merger-specific uh, retrenchments for that period of five five yeah. years, a condition we didn't oppose. Tulas, you don't speak for government, but do you know if they're still interested in picking up the 10% that the minority shareholders have to divest? I've heard that question uh, being asked previously, Oliver, and we had a, my answer to it certainly was that uh, I can't comment on it because yeah. that's not the transaction uh, to which we are a party yeah. <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's speculative. Sure. And I think at that point, I would take guidance in terms of what do we do now? What's what's our approach? But certainly now it's it's really theoretical uh, and we, we, we've decided to just shy away from um, commenting on it. The next question is very crucial because I'm going to ask the same question to transport economist uh, Joachim Vermoorten and my producer is certainly going to cut this out and promote it all day tomorrow on air. So be careful how you answer this one, Tulas. The <laughs> withdrawal, the withdrawal of lift in the form of global aviation from the consortium means that the consortium no longer has an aviation expert in the transaction to which it was one of the selling points that was the idea that he is a financing expert an aviation expert will make a success of it you no longer have that you only have a financing expert and you kind of have to go look into the market for who else would potentially be able to participate in this do can you reassure the public and give us uh, some level of confidence that uh, the Takato Consortium will successfully manage and run SAA without uh, an aviation expert at the table? Without a shadow of hesitation or uh, trepidation uh, about any you know, possible contradiction to what I'm saying, uh, I can certainly give that assurance. Uh, because, Oliver, and I'm always happy to answer that question because the answer is actually very simple. Uh, the, it has never been envisaged and part of the plan that these uh, two minority shareholders would be involved in the direct day-to-day -day technical operations of SAA and overseeing those at operational level. The plan was always to basically retain and fully utilize the significant technical capacity that SAA already has, but also support and buttress that with any additional, including international expertise, whenever that is needed. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of work to ensure that when the moment comes, uh, as and when that technical expertise at operations level, at operations level is needed, uh, that is able to come through. The minority shareholders were important at the time for structuring technically 
how to remember when all of this was happening, uh, when the transaction in the early phases of it, SAA was not even flying. So you needed people with the expertise to say, how do you rejig? How do you, uh, you know, uh, restart this airline and ensure that it runs on technically sound, uh, you know, principles uh, and and working on the likes of the business plan working together between the shareholders that was the original intent around the technical expertise but running it was always going to be left to the operational people Thank you so much for your time, Tula Sizwe. I really, really do appreciate it. Tula Sizwe Similane, the spokesperson for the Daka, for Takato Aviation. Joachim Fermoten is a transport economist. Joachim, it's going to take a hell of a long time to make the 3 billion rand back for government. I don't assume people are flying at that rate and would take up SAA flights at that rate, that it would be an overnight <laughs> recuperation of that 3 billion rand. No, definitely not. Hedron uh, actually needs strict capital. Uh, which it can leverage uh, in its operations. Uh, you know, you have cash outflows at the beginning, and only a little bit comes back uh, over time. Mm. So if you make a 5% uh, net profit over your turnover, you're really lucky. You know, that's the, the, the rule of thumb, basically. Yeah. So it- ultimately, it needs free capital to actually... Going. Yeah, your line is not the most stable right now, so I'm just going to ask that you speak a little bit louder and more directly into the phone. Aviation is not a very profitable industry at the moment, the world over. We've got but one or two success cases on the continent, but by and large, everybody's barely scraping by. Did the Takatsu Consortium bite off more than they can chew? Well, aviation uh, is now recovering from the two big years of COVID. And um, that will take a little while to actually settle. Uh, prior to that, uh, airlines, you know, for example, in the United States, were big loss makers up to 2011. And then things changed drastically because the funders uh, didn't want uh, market share fight anymore. They want profitability. And the way that you achieve it is what we call the balance uh, operational supply to demand. Otherwise, you just operate uh, too large aircraft at many frequencies, etc. Create too much capacity for the market in order to gain market share. And since uh, 2012, up to COVID, uh, uh, the American airline industry was most some of the most successful industries that you could invest because of the discipline that uh, airline managers. Uh, actually developed, you know. Yeah. As it currently stands, and I, I did say to Tula Sizwe Similane that I'll be asking you this question again, will the Takato Consortium be able to successfully run SAA with the now mandated exclusion of the aviation experts that was part of the transaction, uh, Global Aviation, which is uh, p- p- part owners of Lyft, uh, Airways. Will they be able to still get SAA off the ground? Well, I think the bottom line is really that it needs to be a sustainable and um, profitable enterprise. Uh, the aviation industry is a little bit different from all other industries in the way that it operates. Mm. Uh, so uh, normally you have uh, certain supply factors affecting uh, financial results. But in the aviation side, the demand factors 
uh, like economies of scope, is very important. And uh, that differs drastically in comparison to any other industry. And that's why you actually have a lot of successful managers fail in the airline industry because they don't recognize the impact of the demand um, scope uh, difficulties or economies that there are. Yeah. So you either need to come from an airline or to have yourself properly trained up in our airline economics work. And I'm not talking about aviation. I'm talking specifically on airlines. Mm. Mm. Uh, the reason that I would prefer the cash to come in immediately is the examples that we had in Edelina's Argentina, where a uh, very cheap entry was uh, made possible for new shareholders. And instead of investing into the company, they basically asset stripped, uh, you know, the already debted uh, uh, lines. So that's the last thing that we'd like to see. So, for example, we wouldn't like to see transaction for control of the airline uh, uh, change for 53 rand. It should change only if there's substantial investment coming in. Mm. Otherwise, you have people control uh, of the operations that doesn't have financial stake in it, you know. Yeah. And there should be a balance between your financial exposure and your shareholding. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. You are listening to Night Dog, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter.